Jay Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, rescuers. Yes, I'm pleased to say that it's another interview episode. Douglas H. Cole is the owner of Gaming Ballistic, the first licensed third-party publisher for the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game and the Fantasy Trip, working in support of Steve Jackson Games' popular role-playing games, Living near Minneapolis, Doug is known as a long-time GURPS playtester, as a regular contributor to the Pyramid magazine, and as the author of GURPS Martial Arts Technical Grappling. Doug has also published a Dragon Heresy role-playing game based on the 5th edition SRD, and his most recent projects include Five Perilous Adventures for the Fantasy Trip and the Nordland Sagas for the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game. It's simply terrific to welcome Doug back to the show, and this time it's all about helping me to think through a specific issue I believe I might have solved with my GURPS Dungeon Fantasy campaign. This is Season 7, Episode 17, The Defence Role Reversal, with Doug Cole. Thanks again to Doug Cole for coming on to Roleplay Rescue and chatting again about GURPS. Always a pleasure to be here. I put up a blog post the other day um, called The Defense Role Reversal, in which I was trying to explain what was, I think, a relatively simple little innovation we, we brought into our GURPS game. We've been playing some Dungeon Fantasy. Uh, and simply put, it was in combat, I just asked the players to roll defense rolls if they were attacked by... Um, Gribblies first, and the Gribblies rolled their defense rolls before the players rolled their attack rolls. And the goal of this, in short, was to take away a sense of what one of the players in a completely different game has referred to in the past as whiffing your attack roll. In other words, kind of going to attack, hitting, apparently, or being on target, to be precise, in GURPS turns, and then having the opponent defend and therefore you didn't hit. Uh, and the dissatisfaction that comes from that. And, of course, uh, you, well, read that, seemed to like that, and wrote your own response to it. So I thought it'd be great for us just to chat it through. I agree. I agree. It was, a, <clears throat> you know, it's not the first time that that concept, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, right? right. Um, so it's not the first time that that kind of thing has been uh, noted and, and solutions proposed. Um but it, it, it's one of the interesting things about it is that it really touches on something that I love to talk about just in general, um, but makes for very good game design, is what I call emergent behavior. Hmm. The implications of reversing that role do a lot, not just to the rules, but to how the game is played. And the more that I thought about it, the more that I thought it was a great topic for conversation. But, you know, it's also the kind of thing where, well, like, for example, initially I mistook how you were implementing that. And one of your players came on and said, no, 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 what, what you think happened is not actually what happened. <laughs> yeah. um, 
But doing something like that, either doing it the regular way with the implications of both whiffiness and, um, and also what the attacker and defender gets to react to, mm. um, but also reversing that have different implications for how play emerges and offer up some very interesting opportunities for different play styles. And so there's a lot more there than one might think. Yeah, I got that feeling. I've had a few responses as well on the blog about um, people saying, well, what about this and what about that? And half the things, to be honest with you, I, I'm i just not experienced enough as a GM of GURPS to really fully grasp. So, you know, hence, talk to the expert. That's what I say. There we go. So what was your initial feeling? I mean, I take, um, you know, I've got a, a dragon man attacking one of the characters in the Fire Citadel. And um, I say to the player, right, you want to defend you know do i actually what i tend to go i think is go dodge parry or block (laughs) um right and they've got to make a decision they've got to make a choice they know that um so for example this dragon man is making an all-out strong attack with a short sword you know uh what do you want to do and the player tends to i mean the first thing that tends to happen is if they've got a shield they go i'm gonna try and block um they might go for a parry if their skill is good enough um and the dodge is probably the least optimum um sort of solution in most cases what i rather liked about it was that it forced the defender to commit before they really knew the outcome of the attack roll what i also liked about it was that it meant that if the defense was successful the attacker then knew that they had to effectively they had to crit um to kind of get on target at least is how i understand it um so what do you make of that so in in general i i think that what you're saying there is 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 largely true Mm. um it you know but the but it i think it's the implications that that matter so Mm. for the example that you picked an all-out attack strong means that if you hit you're going to do an extra two points of damage or plus one per die. And for very strong creatures, that plus one per die can be three, four, or five yeah. um, points. So it can, it, can, it can add up. But what is not there, uh, which can matter, is if it's a very skilled dragon man, mm. um, like he's, he's coming at you with skill 20, and a, and a dungeon fantasy role-playing game knight can roll out of the gate with a sword or axe skill at 20. Mm-hmm. Um, it it very rarely makes sense to roll versus a 20 because one of the core bits of the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game and GURPS 4th edition for that matter is what's called the deceptive attack, which lets you take minuses to your skill yeah. in exchange for minuses to the other person's defense. That can be a clever blow. It can just be you're too dang fast. Mm. Right. So if you're basically what it works out to be is that if you're rolling against a 16, when all is said and done, you crit one out of 10 times on a six or less. A 15 yeah. is five or less and anything from 14 or lower is a four or less. Um, and so your chances of critting double or more based on what you're rolling against there. And so if a dragon man is coming at you with a skill of 20, then either they might do a minus two deceptive attack and strike your vitals. Mm -hmm. But really from the defender's perspective, it's 
I'm rolling a defense, but am I rolling it minus one or minus two or minus three? Or if you've got someone rolling in who's crazy at it, and, you know, maybe they could be rolling at minus five or so and really have a hard time defending. Mm. So what I first thought is that for the type of table that is not mucking around with all the modifiers, mm. what you're doing is really, really good. Because it gets right to, first of all, it's very player facing. Yeah. The dragon man's attacking you. Do something about it. Oh, I defend um, somehow. Uh, and it makes them commit and risk things. And you can't just say, oh, well, I'll find out whether the sword is going to hit me in the face um, first. And, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit. Um, and then, you know, you get to, and then the player gets to make the decision. And, and, you know, if they successfully block, then you can narrate how that's coming. Oh, it glances off your shield, whatever. Um, or, you know, you roll the dice and, and see if you roll a four, five, or six, uh, or three, four, five, or six for the crit, uh, depending mm -hmm. on the incoming skill. So that's cool, right? It, it, it's player facing. You don't have to worry about whiffiness. On the player side of things, um, then it, it's, uh, oh, I'm going to attack that dragon man. Oh, you know, you roll the defense. Oh, well, his shield is going to be in the way. Hmm. Okay, great. So that actually gets into some of the emergent behavior. Because in my, so you, you, as we've talked before, right? So I do this Viking martial arts thing. It's not really reenactment, it's recreation. We try and use weapons and tactics that are way the same and are made the same and blah, blah, blah. I don't yeah. really want to get into that other than there are going to be some times that I'm like, well, when I fight, and you know, I'm not like Bruce Lee Viking guy, I, but I've <laughs> done some sword and shield work. One of the interesting things is that if you're ever just kind of whack away at somebody's shield, by and large, you're not paying attention. You're going to get yourself hit. Mm -hmm. um, and that's usually the beginning of the end, right? You start to bleed. You've got cut tendons, whatever, whatever, right? A sword is a labor-saving device, and it's very good at what, you, what it does. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, is that usually what winds up happening is you go in, you do a probe, you either probe with the shield or the sword, or you, you look for an opening, and by and large, if the other guy knows what he's doing, it's not there. So the answer to, oh, he's got a good defense, is usually I don't attack at all. Hmm. So I'll declare an all-out defense, or I'll evaluate, or I'll do, or try and faint, or something. I'll do something hmm. that is going to open up that defense. But that's not what you see in regular GURPS, because the attack declaration comes first. Hmm. And, and so, you know, it's not a right or wrong thing, but it's a different thing, and it's kind of neat. Right? So if it's like, you know, if what it basically is, is, oh, the dragon man is looking at you like he's going to hit. Oh, well, I defend with, I block, I, which is, you're, I'm going to present my shield yep. in an optimum way. Well, a successful block roll means that you have done exactly that. You've presented your shield in a way that denies an opening. And so maybe the dragon man gets bored and does something else, or maybe he does a feint or reacts to that successful defense, not necessarily by, oh, you know, am I going to just roll a crit? Because... And, and crit fishing is a real thing, <laughs> you know, so you just roll and roll and roll. Um, but if it's like, oh, you've done a successful block, well, maybe all of it, you, it. I think it will create the opportunity to do things that don't usually happen. Because just hitting the I attack button over and over and over and over again is a fairly good strategy in almost any game, especially one with turn order. Because mm. usually... The first person who catches one in the face loses. In D&D, &D, on the average, 
that's going to wind up being true because if you have two equal fighters doing more or less equal damage, the first person who hits has a head start on the hit point ablation race, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's fine. And in GURPS, it's the same way, except with the active defense role, the first person who catches a real serious blow because you don't have many hit points and it's relatively easy to rack up enough damage to do a major wound and start inflicting conditions. Oh, you're slow. Oh, you take a, well, I mean, heck, any, almost anything that's worth a couple of points of injury gets a shock penalty, right? Yeah. So your next actions are penalized because you've just taken a blow and that's supposed to change your behavior a little bit as well. Anyway, all of that being said, hitting the attack button over and over and over and over again is a fairly winning strategy in most games. It's not necessarily a winning strategy when you're fighting for your life. Because if I go in and attack you, by and large, I have also opened up something on me and the concept of the simultaneous kill. Yes, I stuck my sword in you, but, oh, hey, where'd, where'd my liver go? <laughs> um, that, that, that's something that we actually tr have to train out because in a lot of these combat sports where first point wins, there's usually a second point or, or a second strike. It just mm. doesn't count, right? So, so yeah. but in, if, you know, the whole point of going on a raid or getting loot or going on an adventure is to kill the other guy or incapacitate the other guy and bring home the cool treasure stuff, not to nobly die at the same time as you kill that guy. That doesn't bring home loot. There's no magic items there. You become the loot, right? You're, oh, look, a nice chainmail vest that Shay was wearing. I'll take that home because I fought smart. Um, whatever. So the, the kind of thing that's kind of nifty about the inversion of the role is that if you let that play out and say, oh, he's going to, oh, he's presented a shield in a way that you don't think you can hit him, then the question is, well, what do you do instead? Well, I was going to attack, so I guess I'll just check crit. Well, you could do that. That's true. Can I, mm. can I sneak in around? So there's that kind of thing. And the only thing you have to watch out for there is one of the things that is, so you, you had a, a, a hierarchy of defenses. If I have a shield, I'm going to block, because why wouldn't I? If I have a weapon, I'll parry, because it's mm -hmm. usually pretty good, because you dump all the points into weapon skill. And dodge G, you know, uh, uh, it's my last resort. However, you have an unlimited number of dodges, and they never get worse uh, on any given round. Whereas you, at least in the dungeon fantasy role-playing game, you have one block, and further parries are at minus four each, unless you have weapon master or something like that, in which case maybe it's minus two or minus one, depending on what you're doing. But the whole point is, is that they get harder as you go on. And some of the balance of those is calculated with the and i don't have to defend against that which would not have hit me i noticed one or two interesting behaviors in my players we played three sessions with this role reversal going on and i had the first ever on saturday just gone i had the first ever faint attack in a game of goats that i've ever seen um yep. and and thinking about it as well, you know, people are sort of talking to me about that um, that idea of kind of you know, trading off your skill to affect their defense. And, of course, these are sort of declared up before the defense role is made. Um, so the first question I had from, from some people outside was, well, what happens if they, you know, try to um, alter your defense? And it's like, well, they're declaring what they're doing, so we just calculate that and off we go. But what I did notice is the players are actually playing with some of the other attack options, you know, their, their maneuvers, which I haven't actually seen up to now. Now, maybe it's just that my players are getting a little bit more savvy with the rules. I don't know. 
but I think that it might have something to do with this inversion. I'm not sure. I suspect that you're correct. Um, and, and also, I just want to, you know, uh, Peter Del Orto, who was, who was a longtime gamer, longtime blogger, and, you know, written GURPS martial arts along with Sean Punch and stuff, mm. um, and has been running a dungeon fantasy campaign, a mega dungeon campaign for years and years and years. I think the campaign's gone on for like at least a decade. Mm. Um, but one of the things, he responded to your post as well, and one of the things that he always says, always, 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 is if it works at the table, you're doing it right. Mm. <laughs> and that's the one thing that as we go back and forth on, oh, what if this and what if that and blah, blah, blah. The thing is, is that if it's working at your table, then for you, this is fine. And it's working. And I don't mean, fine. oh, well, fine. Go, go pout in the corner because <laughs> you're not playing it right. Right? Um, you know, we're not here to pee in anyone's cornflakes. If people are like, yeah, it makes sense that I know whether or not I have an opening before I commit to the strike. If that helps verisimilitude, if that helps immersion, if that helps people say, oh, well, you know, he's defending really well. I guess I better do something about that. Evaluate, faint. Hmm change your maneuvering to attack from the side, throw sand in his face, whatever. Um, that's awesome. Because it breaks up the monotony of I hit him. <laughs> I remember a D&D &D game with my, my friend Ken a long, long time ago, and he was playing a first-level cleric. He has no spells. <laughs> and this is Beckmate, right? So this is the you know, red box, blue yeah. box. Um, he has no spells or whatever. And you keep coming around the combat cycle, and Ken was so bored, he made up a little sign, and he was an, he's an artist. I think he went up, wound up being an uh, art director for Accolade or something like that. So he made a sign, and, and he, every time his turn came around, he would just hold it up and say, it said, hit him with my mace, because that was the only <laughs> damn thing he could do in a combat. And you never really want your players to have their eyes rolling, because, yes, I've got this great 250-point character, and the only thing that I can do is whack somebody in the neck with a sword. Mm. Um, cause that gets a little repetitive. So having the, oh, he's got a good defense going on. So I better do something about that is a metagame prompt in a good way hmm. that what you're about to do is going to be less than sex, less successful than doing something else. And that is fantastic because that is how fights work. <laughs> you know, you try something, you try something, and you know, you don't just see people going, "Oh, I'm left. Oh, I'm doing a left. I'm doing a left. I'm doing a left. I'm doing a left." <laughs> and you just do a left for like all three minutes, right? It, you got to mix it up, and eventually you get to the thing where, and there are some rules or some concepts in GURPS martial arts to say, "Oh, if you keep doing the same technique, the other person's going to get a bonus to defend and be able to counter you and stuff." Hmm. But you can start to play around with things like that. And some of it has to do with skill level, right? If you're getting into the realm of skill where you're always thinking about deceptive attack or alternate forms or, mm. you know, I'm attacking vitals or I need to attack a neck or, oh, this is a diffuse target, so I need to use a particular damage or blah, 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 blah. Um, as you get into the more detailed bits, you know, figuring out what you're going to do. And, and it depends on what you're trying to do. If the purpose of it is I don't want to whiff or I want to know if you know my potential hit is going to be foiled by a critical or whatever mm. then then what you're doing is just simply going to work yeah because the defense is out there and it resets most games fail through bad expectations management not failure of imagination not rules whatever mm. 
right? I'm setting up an expectation of a certain thing. I've got a 250-point character or a 12th-level fighter or whatever. I'm expecting to walk in there with my big shining sword and gleaming shield and armor and kick some butt. And if I go in there and I take a swing at a bad guy and, yay, you've hit the guy, and he goes, oh, well, I, I, I dodge. I parry. I've, I've, I nullify your def, your successful big dog attack every single time. Mm. You're gonna be like, well, I thought I was good at this. Yeah. And you're gonna get frustrated if it's like, oh, he defends, he defends, and you say, oh, well, you know, this this guy's got a really good defense. All of my skill doesn't matter because he's behind this giant shield, or oh, there's a wall of spikes, or a magical <laughs> barrier, or whatever, whatever. You're not gonna think I'm frustrated. You're gonna think, okay, I'm gonna need to do something else to be successful here, right? Call in an airstrike, whatever. Um, <laughs> but but that's that's frequently what's going to wind up happening is you're going to see this. Well, I can't get past his shield, so I need to do an attack like a slam or a shield bash or whatever, mm. where the shield just doesn't help. Well, it helps a little bit, but you know, it's it's I'm you know if I'm running at you like a freaking linebacker or a rugby player because you know I got to be ecumenical about this thing. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm coming at you like a freight train then a, a, a careful little rapier block is not going to help, mm. right? And, and so it's like, okay, well, I can't get at him through skill. I'm going to try brawn. And that's cool. That's going to have a very different feel to it. And just inverting the defense role like you've been doing um, is, is going to work. Now, the, the thing about that is if you're still taking the time to say, well my swashbuckler is going to do a deceptive attack to the vitals followed by a rapid strike for the second attack to do this. And, and you're going through all of these things to declare what, are, what you're going to do. Well, you still have to take a lot of time to do that. And you might want to say, well, I've just, then, you know, oh, roll the defense. Oh, he didn't, he didn't defend because, you know, he's doing all this stuff. Mm. What was all that you did again? Do you still remember? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that, that's the kind of thing where if you're having a large modifiers where you're not just bashing them in the torso or whatever, you're, you're yeah. actually doing something that uh, has complexity to it. You might be like, all right, I've done all these things. Is it going to work? Let's just roll the dice right then and, and see if it's good enough to, to work. Um, Nonetheless, I'm still fascinated by, by, by this because my limited experience in weapon fighting is you're really either looking for or trying to create an opening in, in a human defender. Now, I've never fought a manticore, so I wouldn't know about <laughs> that. Um, but you know, in a human defender, you're probing, you're looking, you're looking for an opening, and the presumption is, by and large, the defense is pretty good. Two novices just kind of wail away at each other, and it looks like what these back-and-forth fights probably look like. But as you start to get skilled, you know, you, someone starts to lean in, and the other person just backs up. Oh, well, this person's going to hit me. I don't want to be there. I don't like to be hit. It's never fun, so let's do this. And so there's, I think, a lot more verisimilitude for me to say that you're, the, the defense is always presented first. Oh, and so the de declaration might be, I'm going to try and attack that guy. Oh, well, he presents his defense. Hmm. Well, there's a lot that can happen there, but one of the things that you could do, and I'd be fascinated to try this out, is you make a defense role, but there's, and there's a, a blogger, a writer named T-Bone, and he has this thing called fully enabled defense, which is basically a skill role for defense instead of three plus skill over two or whatever the formula is. Hmm. 
one of the things about that might be interesting is you know you present this defense and you do it each turn and if you defend well then the person has penalties to their attack because you have to get around that defense hmm. but you know i mean that's into house rule territory but starting with the oh my intent i'm looking at you with the intent to attack and the defender rolls and you say oh okay here's the shield is out there and the sword is covering and this guy looks pretty buttoned up okay well i better evaluate or i better faint or i better do something else and so again it changes your thing but if it's like oh well you know it looks like a shield is open so you're like mm. all right well either he's trying to trick me which is possible um <laughs> or he's made a mistake and then you then you roll your attack roll and say oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and you know whatever, but to me I always thought that that would be kind of fun, and interesting to force the back and forth evaluation of openings on both parties. Mm. Um, the other thing would be you know say hey like if you attack with a sword or if you push a shield into somebody, you that counts as a parrier block so if i push my shield into you i can't block with it anymore if i if i attack with a sword and then have to parry that turn that counts as the second thing that i do and so it's at minus four mm. right and that would be the kind of thing where you say if you attack you're creating an opening on the side that you're attacking with i think it's interesting for me because i um i was coming at this from a bit of a well, I suppose, an, you know, a criticism of GURPS, which, you know, I was, I've been trying to, you know, get into the game and learn the game. And I had a, um, a couple of players who've basically had a bit of a go and sort of said, you know, but yeah, boy, it's whiffy, you know. Right. And, yep. and I got to thinking about, well, you know, what is that about? Because to me, I mean, to be honest with you, that, that has never been something that particularly bothered me. You know, I always kind of thought, well, you know, I'm making the attempt. They go for their defense. And, you know, if they make their defense, ho-hum. I had two different players ask me two different sets of questions. And the first one was kind of interesting. It was like, why does GURPS have that attack versus defense? Why not just use the um, quick contest rules? Which was an interesting question. Yep. Um, and I, I was absolutely sure there'd be a really good reason why not. Um, but then I was sort of flipping through the rule book again. I kind of thought to myself, well, does the because I actually asked myself this Australia question of does the rules actually specify the order, and it kind of does. It kind of presents a pro, you know a a process. You know the whole thing is listed as the attacks and then the defences. Um, it's perhaps more implied than explicitly stated, but you know there I think there's one sentence in there that says you know once you've um, you've made your attack, the defender gets to make a defence. And I just thought to myself, why not just switch that around so that you know, when the attack is made, the player uh, knows up front that the defender has got a strong defense or has got a defense that's appropriate. You know, it's going to be a problem for them to overcome. And then it sets them up with the how do I overcome it or do I bother? And that was the background of it. Yeah, no, and, and it's true because GURPS combat can feel whiffy. I think part of it is that it's going to depend on the active defenses, right? Mm. Um but the, the thing about it, without getting too much into the math, is that without the influence of deceptive attacks, right? I take a penalty to my attack to mm. inflict a defense on yours. The defense role actually is basically a, a, a lower bound on your hit or an upper bound on your hit chances. If, I'm, if I have a, a boring skill of 10, mm. my parry is five half of ten plus three hmm. um so eight 
you know, it's nine if I retreat um, in, in many cases, 10 if I have combat reflexes because I'm a, a warrior with a skill of 10, which probably means that mm-hmm. I've spent points badly. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in any case, the point is, is that I've got like with a skill of eight or less on 3D, that's a one in four chance to defend. And if there's nothing funky about the situation, it's not deceptive attack, I'm not on fire, whatever. You can never hit me more than three times in four because one in four times will always whiff, so to speak. Mm. But it is only one in four times. Mm. The place where I think the theory of it and the practice of it clash a little bit is that ultimately what you're saying is it takes four-thirds longer against a mook to kill the guy, right? Because one time in four, your, his defense is going to result in a miss. Mm. Well, that, from a second-by-second second perspective, if, if the game time were real, the fight lasts for four seconds instead of three, mm. assuming that it took three hits to kill the guy. Okay, who cares? From a going-around-the-table with four or five different players and four or five or ten different bad guys, that extra turn is interminable. Yeah, and and also on top of that, it's the fact that it's a group game. So, um, you know, I've got four players in the group on a regular basis at the moment. And quite regularly what happens is that somebody goes, I've got one particularly good fighter who's going on speed seven. I've got, you know, another one on, I mean, these are 125-point characters, to be clear. But, um, Mm. you know, then the rest of them are on the sort of 6.256, you know, and the the creatures generally are going at the moment are going kind of last. but what happens is that that really great fighter probably gets a hit in. But if they don't, there's a really good chance. But by the time it gets round to them, the next second, actually that the the um, Mookie kind of you know Dragonman guy has gone down, and actually sure. that fighter right. was going. Hang on, a minute, I'm supposed to be the super slick Uber fighter, and because that guy blocked me with his shields, which he gets to do once, remember. Um, but you know he blocked me. I feel like a rubbish fighter. Right. And I think that's the experiential issue, isn't it? That kind of at the table, it can, if that happens over a few combats or over an extended combat, as we've been having quite a few kind of like quite tactical um, across sure. multiple rooms, little chasing down corridors, up and down stairs, you know, all sorts of stuff going on, that actually it's an exciting battle. But for one, often for one player, it can, it can just become a little bit like, hang on a minute, I just missed again. What, exactly. Even though you quote unquote hit, but... And, mm. and because you get one block, that block is done. And so the defense bonus, so you don't get another block. And, and although the defense bonus of the shield still, still always affects other active defenses. But no, it's interesting. And from a, from a, from a player skill, a player mastery perspective, yeah. one of the things your high skill fighter can do is wait, capital W. Use a wait maneuver and say, mm. as soon as somebody attacks my dragon man, mm. I'm going to bust his head. Right. And, and so he can, and you know, he still gets his defenses, and they're probably pretty good and whatever. But as soon as his, as soon as that condition triggers, he can step in right after the dragon man uses his block hmm. as a weight. And there's, and in fourth edition, in third edition, there were die rolls and cascades and blah blah blah. In fourth edition, the weight just triggers, except in very rare circumstances where you have two people waiting. But by and large, once your when your weight condition triggers, you just go. Hmm. And that's really handy for like, okay, I'm going to have the person who might not hit as well 
come in and, and try and burn some defenses. If he gets lucky, then I'll get in a blow that's probably going to kill him. Because that's the, that's the thing, right? The way that it is now, so you said, you said he's 125 points with high speed. Mm-hmm. Does he when he sticks somebody? Is it good damage too, or is he just oh, really yeah. skillful but kind of noodle arm? I mean, he's pretty good. I mean, I he's think, a big dog. Yeah, I think they're probably pushing somewhere between about. He's probably, probably run about eight damage or something like that. You know, sort of seven. Yeah, all right, damage. so you know, somewhere two D minus one, two D plus one, one D mm-hmm. plus three. That kind of yeah. So now in the Dungeon Fantasy role playing game, if you're throwing down two hundred fifty point characters, you can have a barbarian or a knight out of the gate who's like two D plus seven, two D plus eight. Yeah. Right, so I mean, it's like fourteen damage. <laughs> um, nonetheless, if you have your big damage dealer waiting until some of the defenses have used up, it maximizes the impact when he does hit. Yeah. The flip side of that is, by the time he gets around to to oh well, if someone doesn't uh, if someone doesn't trigger his wait, he does not get to go. He waited, mm. which that's not going to be happy either. <laughs> it's going to be fun though, especially if the, the rest of the party is pretty efficient. Um, right, 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 right. Yeah. So you want to get your licks in. Um, but no, it, it, it's understandable. And, and especially when it, you go bip, 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 bip. I mean, one of the one of the things that's kind of nice about single role resolution is, you know, I remember a, a Swords and Wizardry game I played in where we did eight combats in one, two or two and a half hour game. Yeah. Right. Because it's boom, 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 done. Boom, 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 done. And GURPS can play like that, but everyone has to be on it. And, yeah. and in my experience, the game master has to be very fluid with it. The players have to be willing to roll with it and not say, oh, no, 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 I, I need to look up this one roll. No, no. Yeah. Look it up before next time. Yeah. Right? Um, but it can go fast, but because you have attack and then defense and then effect if the if defense is, is unsuccessful, yeah. uh, and sometimes if it is, if you get a crit defense or whatever, you may have to roll some tables. Uh, but because of that, the, the impact of any one turn is magnified and so you want to do something yeah i also found i mean in experience i felt as gm this sped up the play i think there's something about i don't know some added urgency that came in here from sort of saying right you know you're under attack do you, you know what's your reaction um mm-hmm. it kind of made them do declare you know they kind of go right i'm gonna dodge or you know i'm parrying um and they'd roll and then and of course, if they if they make that as a player as well, I feel like for me as GM, it's kind of I could I can almost not roll die sometimes. You know, the, the chances of that um, that character actually critting, or you know, right. given their abilities, is so low that right. I can kind of go right. right. Well, okay, so you block him and move on. Um, I do actually roll them, but you know, I'm not expecting much. And I think right. um, I just found that experientially fast. It felt fast. I don't know wh- whether it's just in our heads. Because I haven't timed it, you know, what before right. and after. But, but of it course, felt it faster. doesn't matter, right? I mean, if if every if if it's in all of your heads, but it's in all of your heads, mm. you're doing it right, and everyone's having more fun because the expectations of tension and dynamism and whatever are being met. Role playing is in your head, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like you know we're gonna oh well we're having a combat now, so Shay and and uh, uh, Joe, their swords in the corner. Let's do this, right? I mean, that's not how it works. You got your paper man, and and you're moving things around, and and it is all in our heads. So whatever it is that you're doing at the table to make it feel better is the right thing to do. And if if someone's like, I'm not going to be satisfied unless I get to describe exactly what I'm doing before they roll, 
then that person is going to be unsatisfied unless they do that. If it's, you know, if it's the urgency that's there, if it makes it feel more like a fight because, oh, they defend or they don't defend. Oh, they don't mm-hmm. defend. I have an opening. Oh, you know, now I get to do my cool stuff. Yeah. Then that's cool. Then that's cool. The only thing that you, that one has to watch for a little bit, and actually I just thought of something that I, might make this interesting. The only thing you have to watch for is, is that with, as you get higher and higher skill, 125 point characters don't often have a massive surfeit of skill. Hmm. You're not rocking. You could probably munchkin a character that's like guns 24 or, or bow 24 or sword 24 or whatever. Yeah, most of these guys are sort of 16. I think. Right, and, and and there's nothing wrong with a 16, but it also means that you're in a range where deceptive attack doesn't matter much. Because mm. you don't really want to lower it. Low, you, the, the critting one time in 10, the 6 or less, is really useful. Uh, especially if you're dealing with foes with good defenses, because they don't get to roll them if you crit. If you invert that, and you're, and you're crit fishing anyway, so you you get to roll. But one of the cool things that you could potentially do here is have your players write down kind of an A, B, and C standard attack. Mm. And make no mistake, people fight this way, right? It's the old Chuck Norris joke about he never used his round kick in practice. He only used it in the ring. But when he was (laughs) in the ring, he used it all the time because he was really good at it. People have favorite tactics. And both the monsters... And the players are going to have things that they want to do. Oh, here's a chop to the neck. And you've already got the deceptive attack and the target location, whatever, whatever, figured. Mm. So you say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my you know, attack pattern 17B or whatever. <laughs> and then you roll the defense. And if it is a failed defense, you can look at your sheet and say, oh, that's this normal, this attack. I roll at this target and here's the damage and here's the implication mm. and having three or four options that play to your, you know, maybe they have one character who just loves chopping legs. Another guy just, he mm. wants to behead people cause he's got a big fricking two handed ax. And why wouldn't you behead people with a big fricking two handed ax? Yep. But some of the slowdown in, in the GURPS combat system is you have all of these options, but really you're not going to use them all, all the time. And if you find yourself having to choose options, you're in an interesting fight. Yeah. You're not just mowing down mooks. You're doing something against someone for whom the usual things don't matter. And, and so that would be a way to kind of have it all. Oh, I'm going to do attack. You know, it's your turn. Oh, I'm going to use this attack. It's at minus two to defend. Oh, I roll my minus two to defend. If I succeed, do you want to do you want to crit fish? You know, do you want to? You know, my intent is to this. Okay, well, he's got a good defense. Do you want to change your mind? Oh no, I'm going to evaluate instead. It's not crazy talk. Yeah. To, to to think about that. You know, do you want to change what would have been a miss, or do you want to push that crit? Now, that gives the attacker lots of options to not get caught, so to speak. And, and so if you do something like that, you're going to want that attack to mean something, you know, like a penalty defense later or whatever, because if you can change your mind, it should cost you. If you're going to mm-hmm. if you're going to roll for a crit as opposed to keep that sword back for parry position or whatever, you're going to open yourself up. Oh, well, you know, in the one chance in 10 that I get lucky. Well, if you don't get lucky, which is the most expected outcome, mm-hmm. you're going to want there to be a consequence for crit fishing in that particular case because it's costing the defender to the defense they have to commit so if the defense is successful and they 
push on or, or change their mind. There should be a cost to that, but it should be easy, straightforward, understandable, and not so punitive that you just might as well play the regular way, right? Mm. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. I uh, so I guess what we're saying is, you know, if it's working, keep doing it, um, but be aware of those, you know, maybe getting the players to set up those kind of more complicated attacks as a sort of standard pattern thing, just to speed it up later down. I think so, especially if what you guys are finding at the table is that it plays well and quickly. Mm. You don't want that to start changing and start to play not well and to bog down or, hey, but I have all this skill. Why can't I get past his defense? Yeah. And you're going to want to be incorporate that. Now, as your skill gets, you know, because... You know, and, and there are lots of ways to spend skill. You spend it in dark darkness penalties, footing penalties, shock mm. penalties, lo hit locations. Oh, this guy's mm. really well armored, but he's got chinks in his armor, so I can... Yeah. So there's lots of ways to spend skill. You know, the, some of the favorites being attack the vitals and attack the neck yeah. or, the, or the skull, right? We've been seeing so a you got to be that. really good where you're doing deceptive to the skull, the blah, blah, blah. However, <laughs> with a short-range ranged attack that has had a few turns to aim especially if you're a uh, dungeon fantasy role-playing game scout mm. uh you can be rocking net skills of 25 26 pretty fast <laughs> not skill 25 26 but skill 18 to 20 plus three or four to aim and you've got weapon bond and blah 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 blah, mm. blah. you've got things that push up your skill <laughs> And if you're not sitting back at 100 yards or something, which eats up minus 10, right? That's, that's a big chunk of, of your skill. But if you're at dungeon room ranges, you know, feathering people with arrows, the scout shoots him in the eye, especially for big critters, is a remarkably frequent occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so knowing that you can do that or defend against it or whatever, whatever is, is, is cool. And, but and the, here's the other thing, right? What that does is, Oh, like you have this monster with big tentacle heads and he's moving around and they roll their dodge as their primary defense against the archer. How does that feel? It says, Oh, you don't have a shot. He's got, he, he, it's too Bobby and weavy and the Hydra's head or the serpentine head or the, the, the whole beer or whatever it is, the big floating eyeball is moving around too much. And so that, that successful defense means that the archer doesn't have a shot. So they have to wait, they have to aim again, they have to do something else. And that is going to feel more desperate and more involved and more uh, immersion than I attack. I almost certainly hit, uh, do you defend right it's mm. the the doubt is there up front you know and that's i think that's cool and and it seems like a really neat thing to play with you know you just want to make sure that uh, as your characters and your players get better at the game and higher skills that they're not you know rolling a basic oh i attack the torso with skill 24 because that's not what you do with skill 24 you find an excuse to take six points of hit location by chopping the neck or deceptive attack to make it get in you right you never just roll against it anything right because a 17 is an automatic fail and an 18 is an automatic crit yeah so you never want to roll against higher than 16 and there's a reasonable math that argues you never want to roll against 15 or 14 if you can choose not to right you don't deceptive mm -hmm. down to 14 because that crit being a six instead of four is a big difference yeah. in frequency Anyway, so 
whole thing about it is, is rolling defense first opens up a can of worms, but I think it's a cool can of worms. And clearly it's working for you at the table. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Right. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. Lovely to have a little bit of a natter about it, really, and kind of get your thoughts. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue. Thanks again to Douglas Cole from Gaming Ballistic for coming to talk about my proposed defence role reversal for GURPS. And thank you for listening to us. On that positive note, I'm going to sign off. But don't forget, we are an Anchor podcast and you can drop me a voice message if you have any comments or questions. You can also drop me an email if you prefer via hello at rpgrescue.com. And if you've enjoyed listening to Doug, please consider sharing the episode on social media. I'm Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again soon. Game on.